Hey now, this is the World Made Fresh Podcast with your host, I'm Matthew Tracy, and I'm Wendley Sensil. Once again, thanks for joining us. We are downright delighted to have you. Thanks for being with us, guys. Welcome one, welcome all. A glad welcome to everyone, and this is the last episode in our study on the fall and restoration of men. In the last three episodes, we understand and we see that why evil was introduced into the world. What will be our study for today? So to close off the series, today we are going to be looking at God's plan for the redemption of man. Yes, and I think it's to address the question that we raised in the first series, that if God is good and is able, why is there evil in the world? And we're excited to know that God has a plan. Amen. But before we do that, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as you bring the series to a close, we just ask for you to give us discernment and understanding for your will in our lives and help us to be the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll do a short review from our study from last week. And then last week we understand that even men had fallen, but when God created mankind, he created mankind with a very specific purpose. And some of the things that we saw is that mankind was created to actually meet a crisis. The first pair, Adam and Eve, they were designed to steal or to quiet, to, to shut down the enemies of God. They were designed to live as a representation of God, the master, the creator. They were created in the image of God. And ultimately, they were decided to serve as Jewers in this conflict and this controversy between God and Satan, between good and evil. What else did we learn last week? Oh, well, unfortunately, mankind lost their initial home in Eden after they forsook the boundaries that God had given them. Adam and Eve, they were tempted by the devil. And unfortunately, they yielded to the suggestions of the enemy to cause them to sin and disobey God. Yeah, and we find that the two principal reasons that caused this defect uh, and the creation that God had that was very perfect is kind of just like the covering cherub, mankind was tempted to become or to want it to be like God, right? That's right. And, and God wanted them to know only good. God wanted them to experience good and the things that he has created. But mankind was tempted and wanted to actually experience and to know good and evil. One question that we want to ask as we're kicking off this series is that if God, when Satan, you know, with the fall of Satan, he dealt with Satan by kicking him out, you know, by saying, hey, I don't want you to be in my kingdom. Does God has a different standard and the way that he deals with angel versus human? Okay, so <clears throat> no, God does not have a different standard for angels that he does for humans. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So there is one standard. Yeah, and I think it's very good to know that God is very consistent in the way that he ruled the world and everything that he does. He's, he's not a respecter of person. His character, his law is the same. And the same principle that he has that govern his kingdom, those are the principles that he wants to govern the kingdom of men as well. That's right. What Did God give, give any warning to mankind before they get into this mess? He did. Um, we read about that in Genesis chapter 2 mm-hmm. and verse 17 says there, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, then thou shalt surely die. Mm-hmm. So the warning is pretty clear that if men were to disobey God, if they were to eat of the tree, that they will die. That's it. Uh, were they faithful or did what happened? And uh, fortunately, we know um, that mm-hmm. the story is not so pleasant. They did indeed disobey. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. I want to think about this maybe a little bit deeper. It seems to me that it shouldn't be a big deal. I mean, if, if you take a fruit, uh, no, every fruit that God's eaten and ate it, why is it that God is making a big fuss about this eating of the tree? Mm. Did men transgress all the laws by eating that tree? What happened? Right, because the commandment that he gave was don't eat from this one particular tree. Yeah. What does that have to do with the law of God? Well, what's very interesting about this is when uh, you look at what they did, you can actually find that they broke mm-hmm. every commandment that God has codified. Mm-hmm. It says in Psalms chapter 119, verse 96, he says, I have seen an end of all perfection, mm-hmm. but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Yeah, And I want to interject here a little bit to kind of remind ourselves and also our listeners is that when God places something, even though it is insignificant in our eyes, mm. you actually have very significance in the eyes of God. And God, the restriction, quote-unquote, that he placed on us is actually for on good. And when we transgress, you know, in James chapter 2, verse 10, there's this principle that if we were to keep the whole law and yet offend it in the most minute thing, yeah. we'll be actually guilty of all. Yeah. Can we actually trace this principle in the fall of mankind? Yeah, right. So this is very interesting. Um, the first commandment of God says, and we'll, we'll kind of summarize this. Mm-hmm. It says, you'll not have any other gods before me. So no other gods before me is the first commandment. And when it comes to Adam and Eve eating from the tree, we actually find that Satan effectively became their God mm-hmm. and that they themselves became their own gods. Mm-hmm. Satan said, if you eat, you'll be like God. Mm-hmm. So in eating of the tree, they actually transgressed the first commandment. Exactly. Oh, wow. That's right. And the second commandment says, basically, no idols. Mm -hmm. And an idol we might define as anything that takes the place of God. Anything that comes first before God becomes an idol. Mm -hmm. And Satan really became Adam and Eve's idol. Um, The knowledge of evil became an idol. This wisdom that they thought they would attain by eating from the tree became an idol. Um, Adam and Eve, by becoming their own authority, their own gods, and disregarding the, the commandment of God they too became their own idols. Oh, wow. So they really prized this. I want to understand. I want to see what's going on on, on the dark side. And they actually idolized it so much to the point that they were willing to forsake the boundaries right. that God has set. Oh, wow. Third commandment says um, to respect God's name. Mm-hmm. And as representatives of God, Adam and Eve, like we saw, were made for a particular purpose. They mm-hmm. were made by God to represent him on earth. And to create a almost a miniature representation of the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. on the earth. And when they disobeyed and fell mm-hmm. from grace and sinned, Adam and Eve were effectively taking God's name in vain. They were no longer representing him. 
Oh wow! So even in the small sin, there is bigger implication that we can see. Um, and we can apply this to uh, to all of the commandments. The fourth commandment it says to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Mm-hmm. Well, the Sabbath in itself is a sign of righteousness by faith. Mm-hmm. It is a sign that you are going to cease from your own works and rest in the work that God wants to do mm-hmm. in your life. And so. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they separated themselves from the rest that God would like to offer them. By disobeying, they ended up becoming afraid of God. Mm-hmm. And that's not very pleasant. That's not restful. Yeah. And they ended up hiding from God. Yeah, very sad. And if I can think of the commandment number five, you say to honor your parents, you know, mom and dad. And God being the creator of mankind, you say in the book of Luke that Adam was the son of God. By going mm. against the authority of God, it, they're actually breaking commandment number five as well. Yeah. They dishonored their father in heaven. Yeah. Um, the sixth commandment, which forbids murder. Mm-hmm. When they took from that fruit and God had said, when you, you eat of it, die. you're going to die. <laughs> they were effectively committing suicide. Yeah. Um, the seventh commandment, dealing with adultery. They were committing fornication with the devil. Um, they were cheating on God. They stole the fruit. Eighth commandment. Yeah. <laughs> they were told not to bear false witness. Or the four, the ninth commandment. Yeah. Don't bear false witness. Mm-hmm. Well, in a couple of ways they did. Um, first Eve, when you read it, she actually added to God's word. She said, do not touch it. Mm-hmm. God never said don't touch it. He just said don't eat of it. But then secondly, um, through sin, they bore false witness of God. He created them to be witnesses, and they became false witnesses. Oh, wow. So they actually, if you go down the line, they actually break everything. And even coveted the wisdom that God can provide That's to it. other means, right? Yeah. It's very sad to see that by, in this small test in a way, by going against it, there's bigger implication uh, than, than what they could foresee. And ultimately, the, the evil in, that we see in the world today partly is attributed to that. So now that men has fallen... They have disobeyed God. What option that God has in dealing with them? Okay. Um, yeah, so there are at least four things um, that that God could do in this, circum- uh, in this circumstance. First, he could change the standard, which defines sin, so he could change his law. Admit that maybe, hey, I'm too strict. Could say I'm too strict or, or um, I know it was too hard for you, so let me make it easier. Yeah. And... Um, he could have done that, mm-hmm. or he could have um, he could have killed them, destroyed Adam and Eve immediately, right when it happened. Just put an end to it right there. Um, he could have accepted the rebellion. He could have just said, "Okay, well, you know what? Now that Satan got to the humans, um, let's just let, let it go." Mm-hmm. Could have done that. Uh, and then the fourth option, and the one that he ended up going with, was that he could acknowledge the sin as a problem Mm -hmm. and then find a way to address the problem and meet the problem by providing a substitute and then through that substitute expose the true nature of the rebellion for what it is yeah and i'm very thankful in a way that god did not go with option number two and option number three (laughs) even with the devil when satan sinned god did not destroy him immediately and also, he did not only, you know, like throw his offense, oh, I don't care about this, really. He goes forward to vindicate his character. And he does it in such a way that is loving. He does take time. It is involved. 
but God wants to be complete in his work of redemption. Absolutely. Did the sin of Adam and Eve come as a surprise to God? Right, was this a curveball? Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't know about it. Okay, so um, if God is God, we just reason here that he would have known. So clearly he could not have been as, uh, it could not have been a surprise mm. to him. So no, he was not surprised. Um, but it actually goes a little bit deeper than that because we find that uh, the Bible gives us a lot of insight into what was actually going on in the mind of God um, in light of the fact that he knew sin was coming and that the, the first humans would, in fact, disobey. When you read in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, it says that all that dwell upon the earth, speaking about this prophetic character, this beast, mm-hmm. says that all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written, and here's the key point, in the book of the life of the, excuse me, in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to know that the plan of redemption is not an afterthought. That's the point, exactly. Is there any other passage in the Bible that brings this to view? 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 uh, speak along the same lines. He says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he says, Who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And he goes on. But the point of the verse is that this Jesus, this Christ, was actually foreordained from the foundation, from before the foundation of the world, to be like a lamb without blemish and without spot, to be slain for humanity. Yes, and I think when Jesus came into the scene and John the Baptist was preaching and he saw him, he prints to the people and said, this is the Lamb of God which take away the sin of the world. And referring back to the principle that we find in the Bible. If Christ, if Jesus was that Lamb that was ordained for the creation of the world to die for men's sin, was God intentional? Was he complicit and the fall of men. Okay, so like, did he intend for the fall to happen? Yeah, was that part of his plan, quote unquote? Okay, so um, the simple answer is no. <laughs> no, God did not mm. intend, it was not part of his predestined plan mm-hmm. for man to fail. Yeah, but why did he have that backup plan? You know, if, you know. <laughs> okay, so. Um, why would a human being, for example, that lives maybe in Tornado Valley, have a bunker as a backup plan? Just in case there's a tornado. So if there is a crisis, we're prepared to meet the crisis. Mm-hmm. But does that person in Tornado Valley want the crisis to come? I see. So God was prepared in case sin take place, but he was not the one that caused sin to take place. Exactly. Okay, I see. That's like the simple explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go maybe a little bit further and say the Bible tells us in Second Peter that God is not willing that any human being should perish. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it says in John chapter 3 that God gave his son that people should not perish. Mm-hmm. So if sin leads to death and people perish because of sin, mm-hmm. then the implication would be that God meant for people to perish if he did intend for man to fall mm-hmm. because he knew the fall of man would lead to the perish 
or to men perishing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see, I see. So God will be the responsible for the destruction of many human lives in his hand. Yeah. And I think the best case maybe to, to take and the best position in this view is to understand what is explained in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, verse 28, uh, where God is saying that there's an enemy involved in this. Like all the red flags are showing us, there's an enemy that is involved in this process. And an enemy caused the fall of man. Yeah, the God. problems are attributed to him, not to God. Yes. And it, I think the, I, the irony in this is like in life, many people and all the evil that they see in the world goes straight <laughs> to God, right? Right. And all the blessing, you know, they acquitted it to themselves. Sadly. Right. When a natural disaster happens where it was, or this is an act <laughs> of God, what happened? <laughs> Nobody ever thinks like Satan is responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did God decide to do uh, now that the human race has been defected? Okay. So after, after their sin, what we find is that God actually, instead of destroying them right then and there on the spot, he actually gives them a promise of forgiveness and restoration. And he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And he's speaking to the serpent, so he's talking to Satan. He says, I'm putting en- I will put enmity between you and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I see. But what was the original penalty in a way? Was it... Is something like you should surely... What was the original penalty for sin? That's... All right. Okay, that's very <laughs> interesting here. Yeah. The Because we read that the very first thing that God said is when you eat, you'll die. Yes. And according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. So everyone has sinned, therefore everyone should die, mm-hmm. because the penalty for sin is death. Yes. And it's beautiful to see as we look at God's plan for redemption that even from the beginning, this concept of grace, this concept of, of grace is written all over it, right? It is by grace that we are saved. You know, not by ourselves, but what God has done. Even in Genesis chapter 3, for example, God said, I will do the work. I will right. put the enmity uh, between you. And Instead of death, Satan. he gives us a promise of life. Mm-hmm. Let's do some comparison between the fall of Satan and the fall of men and how they were treated in both cases. How was Satan treated when he sinned? When Satan sinned, um, we read in Revelation chapter 12 that he was kicked out of heaven. Mm-hmm. He wasn't killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we already answered exactly why he wasn't killed. So if he sinned, the penalty should be death, but he was kicked out, he wasn't killed. But we also saw in Ezekiel 28 that there will be a day when retribution is served and he will be destroyed. Yes. Yeah. And to show the consistency of God, how did, how did God dealt with uh, mankind and, and, the, and, and the fall? So similarly, um, instead of killing Adam and Eve or destroying them right there on the spot, he actually kicks them out of the garden mm-hmm. and he bans them from paradise. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, 
and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Mm-hmm. And we see that God, just like he did for Satan, he kicked men out of the garden. I want to dive a little bit deeper into this concept of kicking men out and how God dealt with the rebellion. In the case of Satan, we know and we understand from the previous studies why God did not kill Satan. Right? Because he uh-huh. wanted to rebellion to play out. Right. He wanted to show both sides. What are... What is the position explained from the Bible about why is it that God did not kill the first pair, Adam and Eve, when they sinned? Got it. Okay, so um, like we read in uh, Revelation 13 mm-hmm. and in First Peter, uh, essentially a substitute was found. There was a lamb who was already foreordained to be slain from the foundation of the world should man sin. So he did not die the day that he, um, he sinned because first and foremost a substitute was found and what does that mean in actual term well in john chapter 3 um very famous verses um verses 16 through 17 it says that god so loved the world and this is the substitute Mm -hmm. he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish or suffer the penalty of sin but instead have everlasting life For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah, and he actually reinforced this idea that God's desire is not the destruction of the human race. He wants to save as many as are willing to be saved. Amen. Um, And I know this applies to the whole world, but what about Adam and Eve themselves? Did God do anything for them? Okay, so um, what we find is that when Adam and Eve sin, it says... In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, that they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked. And I hid myself. Now, of course, God, when he asked the question, where art thou? Where are you? Mm-hmm. God knew exactly where they were. Mm-hmm. So the implication is that he, first and foremost, wants to affirm in their mind that they are lost and he knows it. But then secondly, he's seeking to provoke and elicit a confession from them of their own lost condition, which is what he got. Adam said, I was afraid. I was naked. I hid mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story of redemption is so powerful. And I really do not believe that we can cover everything in just one study. And uh, this is why we dedicated the next series to cover the topic of salvation in more and more detail. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, there is this beautiful picture that's painted. That God said unto Adam and his wife, He made them coats of skin, skin, uh, of, he made them coats of skin, and he clothed them. And we see that this clothing that God put for them, represented what he wants to do for us in the long term. That this can imply that an animal was killed and this animal and all those things pointing to Jesus. And that this sacrifice in the garden ultimately showed that this substitute will come and take our place. Anything that you you take away from this verse? So, um, we can also say that um, even though that even though that Adam and Eve 
and any other human after them who has ever lived doesn't die in the day that they sin, not mm. in the very day that they sin. Um, literally, when you look at the verse, when he said, thou shalt surely die, mm. it literally means in dying, thou shalt die. So from the moment they sinned, it did set in course a change in in everything, in, in their the own atmosphere. In the atmosphere and in the planet, in their own being. A change was set in motion and the ground was cursed. Mm-hmm. Um, they would eventually die, mm-hmm. even though they did not die that very day. Um, but even through all of this, he first, before he gave them that bad news, um, that the ground would be cursed and their life would be hard, mm-hmm. he did give them the promise that he would fix the problem of evil. Yes, and I think the takeaway here is that sin, there is no good consequences or no good result that come out of sin. Even though they did not, they did not perish that same day, Yeah, right. the consequence still lives. That's a good point. One final question before we come to a summary. It seems to me that God treated the human race different than Satan. Why is it that mankind was given a second opportunity but Satan did not have one. Interesting question. Yeah, it seems to be a little bit inconsistent. Uh, well, first and foremost, when Satan sinned, like we saw, it was a gradual process. It didn't just happen in a single day. Mm-hmm. It was a process that took some time. And when he finally decided to sin, it was an intentional choice on his part. And he did it in the full light of God's goodness and his character. And this is, of course, very different than what happened with Adam and Eve. With Adam and Eve, they were deceived. And it almost happened in a moment of time. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were tricked. They were hoodwinked mm-hmm. into believing a lie. Oh, well. And so because of that, and they did not sin in the full light of God's goodness and his character, mm-hmm. they are given an opportunity to see and understand truly that God is good mm-hmm. and that he is true about what he says and what he means about everything that he has made. Mm-hmm. And so they are given the second opportunity to see God for what he is and to accept him and to yet be saved. Yes, and I think it's beautiful to understand that God is consistent. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, amen. And that even to sit and he extended his grace for a period of time until he was not needed. And then for the human race, because they were tempted, God devised a whole plan <laughs> To save them and to redeem them. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. How can we make this fresh today? Well, first, um, remember, we can remember that God has a plan to restore us. That is, that is the hope of why we're alive today. Mm-hmm. If Christ is not risen, if we don't have um, hope in his salvation, then of all people, we're most miserable. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to look forward yeah. to. We might as well crawl under a boulder and die. <laughs> Serious, <laughs> right? Yeah. It sounds drastic, but yeah. he does have a plan, and that's the good news. Um, in First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, it says, But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a little while, makes you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Yes, this is amazing to know that even in the midst of evil, that God is still in control. Amen. Wow. There is one part I like in, uh, in the Genesis story where God come and asks Adam, where are you? Uh. Right? He didn't wait for Adam to come to him, but God come seeking for him. And it's beautiful to know that God also comes seeking for us, not only for Adam. 
in the book of Luke chapter 19 verse 10, it says that for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. In Matthew 18 verse 12, it says, what do you think? If any man has 100 sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine on the mountain and go and search for that one we're straying? That is amazing. Yeah, God is a true gentleman. He initiates and uh, waits for us to respond to the call. Yeah, amazing. Um, and let us be thankful as well that God does give us second chances. We don't die in the very day that we sin. Mm-hmm. Of course, don't let us twist that to think because he gives us chances, we can abuse those chances. Yeah. But let us be thankful that he does. In Micah chapter 7 and verse 18, he says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? Mm-hmm. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Wow, that's amazing. This is it for the series and we are looking forward to, for the next series on salvation. It'll be a good one. From the Word Midfresh Podcast, we are your humble servants. I'm Matthew Tracy. And I'm Wendy Sentiel. Thanks for joining us. And guys, as always, please don't forget to leave us your comments. Uh, Subscribe, like the video, and um, share it with somebody that you think could use a blessing. Join us next time. Stay fresh.